Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Less Than 10 podcast. This will be episode 51. Uh, we've now broken half of 100. We're almost a real podcast. <laughs> uh, so this is, I'm 10, uh, and today I'm joined by Andy, astronaut. Hello, hello. Hi. Casper. What up, guys? And uh, our guest, Getty Lee, or I don't know if you have a name you prefer nah, that's fine thanks for having me i didn't know this was not a real podcast no, it's you know mixed mixed bag um so tell us a little bit about you know who you are and what uh corpse you're in or you know what you do in eve kind of thing real quick getty so i spent a lot of time in null blocks um i did small gang before that, I spent a lot of time in NC Dot while I was in high school and college, and uh, that made a lot more sense. And then my corp folded right at the beginning of the pandemic, and I spent an amazing year in Odin's Call, um, really getting back to small gang and all of that stuff. And uh, then this summer, I left with a couple friends, um, sort of did our own thing for a little while. And uh, I guess in there, I started a blog. So that's why I'm here. Cool. Yeah, and the blog, I guess, is the way I think about it is I have a friend who, when he went into uh, grad school, I asked him, you know, so what do you want to, what do you want to do with this? And he said, he thinks academia is a tool, not an audience, um, and not a culture. And what that tool is is the way that we write essays, um, the way that we use critical theory and we use an attention to terms and language and other sources. Um, and he wanted to do that about uh, things that matter to people in their everyday lives, right? So, you know, the way that things are packaged in the grocery store, the language we use to talk about athletes. And I always thought that was cool. And um, I decided to apply that to Eve. Um, and so that's, it's a little bit of a different blog um, than your traditional, more narrative thing. Uh, I hope it's fun for people, but the idea is to kind of use theory to talk about Eve and use Eve to talk about the world and tease out some sort of um, some discussions that maybe would be harder to have otherwise. Um, for the benefit of the audience, because I don't think you've said it yet, uh, what is the name of your blog? Yeah, it is called Iskaverse. Um, and you can find it every other Saturday now. Um, I post a new one. And it's just iscaverse.com if you want to go look at the blog. Very cool. We'll try to get a link to that in our show notes for people who are looking for it. I quite like it. Um, have Very you guys, cool. Yeah, it's, it is what you were saying about the, the language you use and the way you write about things with it is very uh, much what I enjoy about it. And like you said, it's much more long form, which I think is interesting because a lot of the OG um, people who play Eve kind of remember blog times, which was kind of before my era. Um, but I think there's been like a big shift to a lot more like video content, Twitch streamers, that kind of thing. And I think there's still a few blogs, I think, that are especially well known, but a lot of them have kind of fallen by the wayside. So it reminds me a lot of what I used to hear about people saying, oh, this is what like Eve content used to be like like outside of game content, at least. Cool. Well, have you guys had any uh, very interesting Eve adventures in game lately? Uh, a hell of a lot of practice. Legitimately, it's ridiculous. AT's pumping up, so you know we're doing three, four times a, a week practice sessions. And you know then there's the theory be before and after. It just, you know... Thank gosh my uh, boss plays Eve, and I literally just tell him, hey, this day, this day, and this day, just don't talk to me. So that, that's been kind of cool. Um, you know, I'm, I'm stoked that AT's back, but I'm remembering that it's actually called Gulag for a reason. Like, practice is a bit uh, crap sometimes. 
Yeah, there's a lot of hours of it. And for those of you uh, listening to this, that's how you get as good as these guys that Casper's flying with. You practice four times a week plus theorycrafting. Yeah, we don't practice quite that often, and it still feels like a lot. So Casper is absolutely insane for doing like four times a week. Also, just just you know, to make myself look even well worse, freaking I'm on a Euro team, right? So it's like eleven to three o'clock in the middle of the days on weekdays. So it just ruins my entire day. Oh yeah, I didn't oh, even think yeah. That. right. You can't really do much before or after during a workday. Yeah, like what do you do when hey, I can't come in till ten? Wait, yeah, this isn't gonna work. Sorry. Priorities. Priorities. Yep. Well, um, I guess I can talk a little bit about what I've been doing since it's somewhat similar. So like Casper, I've been doing AT practice for our team. Um, we've been doing like two days a week, so not as intense, but um, still been a lot of work and been fun. Um, we also did the Opens last weekend. Um, so we only had, we didn't make it very far. We lost our first match, which was kind of unfortunate, but it was cool to do still. Like we got to see kind of a lot of us it was our first actual kind of tournament experience with it like the warp ins and like the way they teleport you and everything so it was just like good experience to get and then it was also nice to see what commentators said kind of get like a third party like third person perspective um, because we could see some of the mistakes we made that you don't necessarily get from people saying like oh i did this wrong or oh like i should have done this you get to see it from like someone else's view and you can see like the whole field and where people are and that was like super helpful so we had like a pretty big um kind of like discussion after about oh like this person should have done this this and a lot of it tracked with what we said but it's just so much more clear when you see someone else kind of over the top showing you and then knowing like what was being said at the same time is pretty cool so that's been a lot of what i've been doing lately but i've also been helping out with our academy a little bit and trying to um get some of our like Newer pilots kind of graduated and teach them basics, and then real life has still been kicking me around, so I've been dealing with that, but kind of good stuff. It's been like very good busy, but busy nonetheless. Nice. I've also been like neck deep in work and only able to hop on occasionally, so I haven't had too many adventures, but I've made a couple AT practices, and that's really fun, and uh, haven't lost my uh, absurdly expensive imp yet. Imp, the uh, succubus. Succubus that uh, one of my friends <laughs> attempted to make into an imp via abyssal mods. Um, it's really fun. Yep. AB is just broken. Anyway, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a couple, uh, we've had a couple updates to the game since our last episode. You know, we've had. Uh, the new player experience has been revamped again again. Um, reports are it's shiny and new and looks great. I haven't tried it. I don't know if you guys have. Uh, no, I don't classify as new player. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I haven't either. Every once in a while, I would, I used to at least, like, um, roll a new alt just for whatever reason. And I would, like, actually do the new player experience just to see what it was like. Um, but I haven't done that lately because I haven't really had a need for like a new tune or anything so I, I haven't seen what the newest one is like but i'm kind of interested to see if it's actually better if it's just kind of new like you said yeah it's interesting they accompanied that with this you know the skill system updates so now you can queue like 150 skills if you really want to or some crazy number like that and set up your training queue for the next decade of eve uh and then you know, I don't know. The most useful part of it, I think, is that you can build a skill plan in it, sort of like um, like people used to do with Evemon and stuff like that, and I'm sure still do. And you can create a link to it in game, so you can give that to other people. So if someone's like, "What do I train for this?" You know, if you're if you're you know like a, a corp director or something, and you're like, "Hey guys, can you put?" all this in your skill queue so that you have this doctrine ship or whatever, which is kind of cool. Didn't there used to be an out-of-game program that you did, like, fleet up or something like that, where it was, like, skills plus fittings to make a certain fleet comp? 
Yep, plus a calendar. Yeah, it would tell you what skills you were missing and everything. Yeah. Well, that's cool. They put it in game then. That's that would be useful for you know a, a low to mid uh, skill pointed group. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it sounds like they did a little aura redistribution. I don't know. It's been a minute, but they released that kind of roadmap post a while back talking about how they were going to start sort of scaling back out of scarcity, and I guess this is the first step of that. Um, Yay, money! Yeah, re-rebalancing now that they've sort of cleaned everything out. They're going to start turning some of the, the inflows back up so that things end up balanced. Um, what else is new? It's GM week. Uh, there's a bunch of events. CCP streaming a bunch of stuff. They have a blog post about it. If you're into that kind of thing, it's cool. A bunch of supers just get like teleported to Jita or something. Some uh, Eli, supers. yeah, they did the Wackabot again, which has okay, been okay. like a yearly tradition now, which is always fun to watch. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't think there have been any significant balance adjustments in terms of small gang since our last recording. Barger's still good? Question mark. Farger, yeah, Farger's still good. Still can't be jammed. Still, uh... Well, they haven't know. fixed that yet, still? Nope, still haven't fixed that. Yeah. Uh, the AT feeder round happened. Uh, so now we can, you know, you can see on the official challenge bracket site the actual, you know, teams that are definitely in and out. Tell you what, I got to run, I got to run the desk for the second day of that and, you know, kind of just tell people what to do and ask questions, trying to act smart. It was super, super fun, but I also appreciated, you know, people get on the grid, and you get to see them there on the grid before, uh, like, it's on live broadcast. And you can just even tell, just looking at the text chats, that people are nervous as hell. And I was just very, very happy being there, just talking and, and acting smart, rather than sitting there with all my hands shaking, like, before a real match. So I was just, you know, my perspective there. I was very happy not to be the guy shaking and actually have a, a meaningful match getting ready. Nice. And I got to say, I really like what you guys are doing with the wide angle camera shots, too, because I always thought it was funny how the, the camera work in the AT would focus in on the explosions and stuff, which is, I mean, Eve looks amazing. And that's what's really cool to non-Eve players. But then the commentary would be totally focused for, for Eve players, even newer ones. But... You know, it would be it would be more about what's going on, but you couldn't actually see it all the time. And I think just like matching the commentary with the camera shots in the feeder rounds just made it for me. It was just awesome. I, I yeah. really enjoyed. It. That's uh, Bay in the background. Um, CCP and one other company, I think, collabed, and they got him this special mouse that has like this rolling ball on it, kind of like those old G mouses you see that when people were trying to be hipster back in the 90s and do these other kind of types of mouses. Anyway, they gave him this like rolling ball mouse that lets him scroll the camera like really, really smooth in those big white arcs. It's kind of it's pretty cool. That's super cool. Yeah, the camera work looks great. So. Aside from the AT, which we always talk about, and Marauders, which we always talk about, <laughs> and we were talking, you know, we've been talking on and off on the podcast about communication and small gang and different, you know, ways people approach it and all that. And I wanted to hit it one more time because um, I got this fairly interesting email after the last one, I think, talking about um, real life radio. Uh, etiquette, basically, which is something that I actually use on a regular basis at work because I end up in these job sites that are like several hotel ballrooms or there are these big outdoor areas and stuff because um, I do event work and there's a lot of things in your way and you can't see people and you can't talk directly to them and so being able to to use radios to communicate without walking a thousand thousand miles is essential. But it's, it feels very different from Eve communication. But on the other hand, you know, the difference between people who know when to start and stop talking is even more pronounced. Because with the radios, a lot of them, if you start talking and someone else is already talking, it just sends static to everyone and no one hears anything. I didn't know that. All right. Yeah. Um, there's some radios that are that are too fancy to do that, but a lot of them will do that. And that's why that's why that etiquette is so critical with them because you have to denote when you're starting and when you're done talking so that, you know, if you, you don't add something at the end and someone else starts to reply and neither of you hear either side of it. 
I mean, it makes sense. I always just thought they said over because it was radio, and that's what you said. I never actually realized why it was said. All right, cool. Yeah, and it was interesting. This this guy, um, Cyrus, sent me this mail, you know, talking about how, you know, people, if everyone is on the same page about that, those rules of communication, it actually makes communication faster than sloppy communication without the sort of protocol steps because it feels like it would slow you down to say me you know 10 for casper this information over feels like a lot of extra words but at a certain scale i think it it actually makes the communication much more efficient yeah and i think that kind of for the reason you said like we don't have we don't quite have where like if two people are talking at the same time it just completely cancels out and if you're in smaller fleets you can kind of get away with talking over each other some but like even then a lot of the things he pointed out like make sense and are like things that i see in eve like one of the things he pointed out was using like third person so you know you refer to your name instead of saying like i or me or you and that was like one of the first things I learned in, especially in smaller settings was like, if you say I, no one's gonna know who you are unless you fly with them like every day and they know you by voice basically. And so being able to like communicate with your name and then what's happening immediately, like is way more important than just saying like, I'm tackled, like great, who is I? Yeah, definitely. And I'd actually reading um, Getty's most recent Discoverse post about communication and the different way it happens at different scales made me think back to this this uh, email I got because you know at the larger end like you talk about it's essentially just the FC talking sometimes <laughs> and that's like the most the purest communication filter one person is going to talk and no one else is and i know in a lot of large-scale nullsec fleets even you know they'll set the channels up on TeamSpeak or whatever so that everyone else cannot talk yeah um and that's because that's the the system they find works best but it's really different at you know like the scale that nanocurrency flies at like if we have six people in comms we're like having a rowdy day so yeah it's it's interesting stuff and i actually was thinking we can sort of talk a little bit about the blog here too because the the way the blog i guess the the depth of specificity in the verbiage you use in the blog is really nice because it's it is in itself really clear and really um, finds really specific meanings in a way that I think a lot of communication around Eve in, in Eve blogs in general, and especially in things like Reddit and Discord, where it's just like constant small posting really loses out. People, people make statements that are very general and very you know, they're either for humor or, or whatever, but it, it bleeds into when they're actually trying to make a point and they fail to communicate clearly. Yeah. I think that's, uh, well, whatever, get into deep topics. Society as a whole, right? Our attention span is zero. We have all these little emotes for pictures for words because we can't use words anymore. And it's just, it's getting further and further away, as you said at the start of this, about this, this long-worded, you know, more in-depth way more specific writing that we're reading here now that that's just not even a thing so much anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, It is maybe brave to post that in this modern era and <laughs> expect anyone to read it. No, it's no. excellent, actually. It's so good, but, you know, it's just different from the norm. Nice. Maybe that gives it even more excellence because, you know, it's new and we're all hipsters and like new things. Well, I mean, it's not new, but it feels exceptional yeah. a little bit yeah. because it's, you know, especially in the discourse around something like a video game, finding, you know, that kind of academic approach is, is pretty uncommon. Yeah, and I think, I mean, writing-wise, uh, something I talk with my students about a lot is is looking at things kind of like a fractal and always saying, 
do I need to unpack this any further? And so it's kind of, you know, uh, on the large scale, you could sum the whole thing up as saying, at least this last post is saying, you know, uh, we can define the size of a gang based on the comms that they're using, not the ships that they're in or anything like that. And that's a more flexible definition. Boom. Okay. But then what do we, we need to break down what a gang is. We need to break down what comms is, and we need to break down, you know, each time we open up one of those, then that brings up other things that we can then break down and go deeper into. Um, you know, that's, that's a really important thing to do whenever you're writing. Um, and, uh, yeah. Going along, going along, rant about revision strategies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it that also ties into what you talked about in this post about the the specific sort of subculture or language around it. You know, like saying, even like on you know using radios and saying over at the end of your statement is a, you know, it means my transmission is over, but my transmission is over is four words, and you just say one because everyone knows that that's what you mean in this specific context. To some extent, you know, the discussions and Reddit posts and things around Eve assume a certain degree of knowledge or inference about the terms they're using um, without rigorously defining them. Yeah, and so, so what you're talking about is over is a case of specialized language, which is a term that definitely gets thrown around a lot. Um, and but what it what it basically means is a term that a community has agreed upon has a certain meaning, and it can be borrowed from common language. Um, the examples I use are like jump or heat, which if I say that in life, people it means something completely <laughs> different than if I say that in Eve, right? Uh, you know, make sure you heat if <laughs> you say that. You know, one of the guys in my corp is a cook, and if I said that to him, he'd probably be like, "What are you?" <laughs> You're gonna have to be a lot more specific. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the purpose of that is to compress long form conversations and communications down into smaller particles so that things can happen more quickly as in with this, in this case of being a firefighter, um, and needing to have quick radio communications. Um, that's what he was talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in Eve, you know, we have all kinds of specialized language, um, and you know, things from jump and heat to like bushing. I remember when when that became a thing within like a week of MJDs coming out, everybody was calling it bushing. And I was like, how did we how did we Someone's agree on so this cool. term in like four days? It's incredible. The like the hive mind and our ability yeah. to just decide this is the word for this now. That that example in particular always really tickles me because I think the reason that that caught on is because we collectively imagine that boosh is the sound that that makes. Yeah. What's interesting too is like, I mean, not that they're super popular, but there's like a newer example of kind of the conversation of trying to decide what word fits best. And that's when the web disruptor bubbles came out. People were arguing about whether they should be webbles or wobbles or something else. <laughs> and I think it kind of died off because I've yet to see people actually use them, but it's I like got hit another... with one in the imp. Scared the living really? hell out of me. Legitimately scared the crap out of me. Well, good to see that they're being used somewhere. Yeah. Did you did you say you were webbled or wobbled? Uh the web ones. Web webbled. I... webbled. <laughs> Listen, Linda. No, no, no. I, I said. What did I say? I said I'm web bubbled. Is what I said. I screamed it. Kind of scaredly. And it sort of helped me. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, off topic. Yeah, it's all good. That is an interesting one because it it was a, a little bit of a debate for a while, and then no one really uses them, so no one needs a word for them. Except on Casper. But, except on Casper, obviously. <laughs> well, you know, you see an imp, you need to slow it down. Yeah, uh-huh. smart. I would point out that Casper said the imp which is uh, another case of specialized language in Eve. And one of my favorite things, you can tell if somebody can afford to lose something uh, if they say A or the before a ship. You know, if somebody says, I'm going to go grab a imp or an imp, you know, they've got a couple of them and they're willing to throw it away. Right. And so it's funny how like even even the articles in English have become uh, coded within Eve and for for what they mean. 
it's really, really crazy. Yeah. And to tie this all back to small gang a little bit more, I guess I should say, because it is definitely relevant. I think one of the things that really um, separates a newer player in a gang or someone newer to a group, um, because when you're small ganging, not just how new you are to Eve, but how new you are to the specific group of people you're flying with is, is important. Um, and so learning the specialized language of Eve and then the specialized language of small gang and then the specialized language of the four guys you were in fleet with is definitely a factor in how, uh, how well you communicate with them and how efficient that communication gets. Yeah. This is going to sound nerdy as hell. I guess we're doing a nerdy podcast. There is, there's nonverbal communication that you can rely on and actually tell. You know, if you know that somebody's going to play a certain way because you've played with them for, you know, two, four, ten years, whatever, then you don't have to communicate some things just because you know what he's going to do at certain times. And, you know, I, I don't know how that ties into written and unwritten communication, but there there is that just with the amount of time that you spend with people. Yeah, for sure. It definitely it I mean it especially saves comms time because you you know if if that guy doesn't need to say I'm going in for the scram, you know, like I was in a fleet the other day with some guys in in my succubus cruising around and I don't think I ever said I'm going in to scram this whatever off you. Like at one point, our Slepner was pointed by an Arazu, and there's you know much other things happening. And I say when I have the scram, but I never say I'm going to do it. But they fly like I'm going to go do that. Yeah. Because you did your job right. Yeah. Well, that's my favorite thing in Eve, basically. So. Yeah, that's that reminds me of like when my grandpa was teaching me to drive and he was telling me the most important thing is to have clear body language with your car so that other people know what you're going to do and to not, you know, throw confusing signals. And there's definitely ways when you when you fly with the same people, you know what's going to happen. And I I think of um, the one of the most amazing things I've seen in Eve was was on the the gate that's far away from their keep star in four tech H in frat staging. And we had some little fight, maybe four or five of them. And some guy who had just joined our corp who got tackled, pointed and webbed by Hugan, but not scrammed. And uh, my buddy Dak went in uh, to boosh this guy off in a 10 bill drugger with, with like 30 people in warp from the keep star. We were watching the warp off the keep star and we know we have 40 AU and you see his drugger going and Besides the new guy, everybody knew here's what we're doing, you know, and and nobody left grid, and everybody sees this dragger swooping in from far away, and you just, and uh, he managed to boost the guy's pot off, but he died before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but you you know you see that kind of thing, and when you know you when you know that somebody loves to boost friendlies out of point, and they're that kind of person, and they're going to go do that, you you know you're able to, right. to hang out and support it, and then what you're saying is jam the Hugin or switch to EC drones or, or whatever. It doesn't have to be, I'm going for Boosh and it just saves some air. Yeah. Speaking and of that's... Uh, a little bit of communication, my newest biggest pet peeve is when there's a new ship that lands on grid and sure, the first person says, all right, Eris on grid or Eris or whatever. Anyway, you get it. If something new lands on grid, you say the ship. Well, then like six people say it, Eris, 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 Eris. That's my new biggest pet peeve. I don't know. Maybe first world problem, but I yeah. hate it. No, that's... I mean, if I heard that, I'd be like, how many irises are there? Oh, shit. It, you know, whatever. Everybody just, like, talks over themselves and says that at the same time, but, like, all right, you can hear the first one. I know it's muscle memory to speak up because we've trained you to actually talk in these little nerd groups, but still. Re? That is all. Yeah, that's interesting how, like, different different people in different groups have different jobs, you know, and I think, like, FCing is a really interesting one where if you're in a block where nobody's going to call stuff out it's your job to call stuff out and if you're fcing in a uh more talented group or a more experienced group then you're probably going to have 10 people call that out and your job as the fc is just to kind of like settle it down a little bit you know just like bring down yep. the temperature let everybody kind of just be like guys it's only one, it's only one eris <laughs> that's very true actually yeah 
Yeah, and then provide a follow-on step, like there's one Eris and we're going to kill it first, or don't worry <laughs> about it, we're going to finish yeah. this guy off. I don't know. I'm going to see if I can put this into words correctly. It kind of works like a voting system some of the times. If you say, you know, Eris, 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 but then four other people say Hugin, 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 you're kind of like putting in a vote of what you think you should shoot next, and then it's there for the FC, or quote FC in our situation. It would be like a Snoll or Amelia, whoever's running the gang that day. They will say whatever, you know, has the most votes, and that's what we all do. But that's how it's been starting to work lately on these smaller things. Everybody kind of says their little, you know, Eris, Eris, Hugin, 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 Falcon, 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 and then Snow goes, all right, primary Falcon. And we just know to listen to that, and that's the end of the voting system. Oh, that's interesting. So you get some input, and you like, you know, people are more worried about the Falcon than the Hugin, so let's get rid yeah. of the Falcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's cool. actually super interesting. And that's kind of, that's where I, I'm, I'm glad I wrote this now, the, the definite, the, difference between small gang and micro gang is is kind of in that right where i think in micro gang you're talking about two or three people and stuff is completely democratic you know you might say something like should we go for this here what do you think about this because there's just less voices you just have more room and you can you can actually dialogue about stuff and then in small gang it is democratic but there's like a polling system you know there's not really an mm -hmm. fc but there's somebody who kind of runs yeah yeah you need a and, you need a direction picker and yeah, and exactly like somebody to say, all right, we're diving now or something like that. And if you're in a in a good group with you know people who know each other, that person can change from minute to minute even. You know, we've been on yeah. grids where we're we're skirmishing around and people are like, Oh yeah, I can get I can get tackle on this guy, so everyone goes over and goes for that, and then someone else is like, I see this go this way and everyone you know people follow that um and that that step where no one's like you're not the fc what are you talking about it's like everyone knows everyone else is is good knows what they're saying that's really important yeah, and there's and there's probably no better feeling in all of gaming than that than just working with another fc or another person who's, who's kind of calling the shots and you've got to bounce off grid and they immediately take over and you're just like that is yeah. the coolest feeling. Feels like teamwork. Yeah. All right. So speaking of of small gangs and things, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked a bunch about, like Andy had a whole, and I had a whole conversation about tackle ships, and we've talked about DPS ships, and we've done, you know, kind of tier ratings of some different categories of ships in the past. But I wanted to ask you guys about your thoughts on small gang composition, because we haven't really talked in general about that i don't think and it's always you know it's always the first question like what do we have what do we need what should i bring so you know we have we have the different roles and usually in my experience at least the first the first thing someone grabs is dps like if you have one ship you need dps and then you know, when you have two ships, if your DPS ship has enough DPS, maybe you bring a tackle or maybe you bring a second DPS ship. And I'm talking about not like a pure DPS, nothing else fit, but like a, you know, a skirmishing cruiser with a long point and some damage dealing because you don't really have enough people to hyper specialize yet. So open question, how many, how many people do you have in a gang before you start, before you want an interceptor, before you want a carries, before you want a oracle? Like before you start specializing down into those roles that don't do the other role a little bit. It's kind of interesting because I almost do the reverse. Like I tend to know, um, at least again, like I've been kind of haven't done a ton lately just because of real life and AT stuff. But when we were roaming like pretty consistently, like three, four times a week, like I would know about how many people we were going to get. And so I would almost do the opposite. I would be like, the first people that come kind of get to pick whatever they want. And that would usually be like a specialty role that they liked better because I knew that almost everyone that came later was going to have a DPS ship if we needed it. And so we would kind of fill out the specialty roles first and then like work backwards. But I think you can't do that if you don't know you're going to have at least a, a certain number of people. Like you said, like if you have three people and one's an interceptor and one's, you know, like uh, carries or whatever, like that's not going to work very well and it kind of falls apart so like i at least for us like kind of my my soft number is if you have like 
five, six people, you can start thinking about diversifying beyond just like one interceptor type thing. Gotcha. How does that, I know, Casper, your group does a lot of escalation fighting and things like that, but you also do small gang. How do you guys choose ships when you're small ganging? You're just like whatever you feel like or? Uh, it's pretty random, honestly. Um, w- something I was going to mention in previous, we always try to do armor or shield because obviously just working on building if we need it, right? So you always take a bare bones to to build on if you catch something that you will actually you know, get a good fight going. So it'll either be armor or shield will be the call. Um, a malediction doesn't count. That's going to be the regardless. And it's usually you start at the bottom for us. What was it going to take to secure the kill or hold the kill? So it's either a bait ship that gets things going, or you just go out there in a scepter and look to do something, and maybe a stabber to ping an ESS or whatever. And then armor or shield are chosen. And it's maybe kind of unique in my group. Everyone, very similar to AT, everyone has their own roles. Um, so there's a couple people that will always only really fly Logi if it's needed, and they won't really show up until Logi's needed, which, you know, five, six people Logi might be needed. And so they'll just kind of sit around and wait for that. Other people are always a support ship, which could, you know, either a scepter or maybe, you know, carries or Falcon, Rook, if it gets bigger, Hugan type pilot. Uh, yeah. And then there's always people that are kind of main DPS. And you just see who's on comms, and we can look over. If it's Mark, Amelia, and I, Mark's going to be in the DPS. Amelia's going to bait and have, like, a control, and I'll wait for Elagi is usually how that's going to work. And you can just tell by who's on comms what's kind of going to be flown. Interesting. Yeah, do you think that comes from just you guys knowing each other so well or, like, being consistent? Like, one of the things is we have pilots that definitely prefer certain roles, but they're not guaranteed to be around. So, you know, like, if you roam three days in the same week, you might, like, we'll generally have about six people or so but it'll be a different like there's overlap obviously but it'll be like a different six people each time do you guys always have more or less like the same people every single time and that's what lets that happen or is it just that you guys have been flying together for so long oh that's that's a good question it's i mean it's a little bit of both because you get the new people that come in and the you know the people the, the previous generation have their roles that they like to do so the new people that we like will just start filling in the roles that aren't already taken and they you know get super comfortable in that and then that's just what they start doing so it just kind of always fills out an empty role as we have turnover because we've been having you know quite a bit of turnover over the last like year or two just people quit people come whatever so it's always just kind of filled what was needed as we got new players coming in i don't know if that actually answers your question um it kind of does it works makes sense yeah it's a little bit of both yeah getty how's that working for you with your now very small corp i know you in odin's you guys were you know for a while there at least you're forming pretty chunky fleets but now that it's just like a few of us a few of you in a wormhole how does that how does that go for you guys yeah well i mean uh I think one one challenge is like Casper mentioned. Sometimes you can comp a gang on the fly, and sometimes you you can't, or sometimes it's harder to do that. And you know, it's when we think about comping a gang, we think about you're sitting in a station and you're deciding what do we want before we eat, or what do we want while you're kind of rolling holes or something like that. But sometimes three people are out and three more people log in, and you have to comp the gang on the fly because if those new people bring shield and you're in armor, then that's you know suboptimal at best. Um, and that's a really challenging thing because that's not to go back to comms. That's more stuff that has to be communicated. You know, the the amount of on grid communication still needs to be happening. But you also have, you know, uh, here's what we're in. Here's what we need you to bring. Here's this, you know. And sometimes you're even looking on something like Zekill, and you're being like, all right, this guy always flies with a Varger, so there's probably a Varger three jumps away, so we need a Sentinel coming now or something like that. You know. Um, and and there's all kinds of comms like that that's happening at the same time. But it definitely helps when you're in a small group and you know what everybody's going to do. And I think flying, flying. So one thing we did a lot this summer was a hundred MN armor comp. Um, and the idea was basically, you know, projection meta. So you know, people 
you know, we would fight a lot of groups that would be projecting incredibly far. And we decided to just brawl them one day. And uh, it worked. We, we, three of us beat a whole bunch of people by just brawling them straight up because they kind of didn't know what was going on. And so we said, okay, so what happens is they YOLO ramjags at you. And if you're just 100 MN, you can just ignore that kind of, you know, and you can just keep, you can just keep burning away. Um, and the idea of it was to look kitchen sinky. So the cool thing about, you know, if you have a fleet concept in a group, even a group as small as Odin's Call, you know, they have, they fly Serbs. If you see an Odin's Call guy in a Serb, like they're probably going to be in a Serb fleet, you know, um, because when you've got 15, 20 people in a fleet, it's really hard for that to be kitchen sink and still be effective. But when you have four or five people, you can have a really tightly comped, tightly theory crafted fleet that still every ship is totally different. So when you arrive on field, people look at that and go, wow, you know, oh, look at this. It's it's an Eos and a Zarm and a Sacrilege and a Draugr. And they're like, yeah, yeah look at this random, yeah, what is, and, uh, you know, but in reality, the whole thing is set up very carefully so that you're linking the right people and you've got the right amount of DPS, and you've got the right amount of tackle and um, you've thought about the whole thing. And so the way we did it was we basically had uh, a list of ships and everybody got three or four of these sort of 10 ships, whatever they felt most comfortable with. And, you know, like Exna's our Logi pilot. She's an incredible Logi pilot and she'll even dual box Logis, which is another question too. Like how many people are dual boxing? I think if there's two of you going out, you know, one, one main box scepter and one DPS works. Or if you're dual boxing, you've got two DPS, a scepter and a dicker. If you're you mean a Lynx backpack? Yeah, yeah, or a backpack. Yeah. One of my favorite um, multi-boxing comps uh, is a uh, Bifrost Ishtar and a Stiletto, and you assist drones to the Stiletto and then anchor the uh, Bifrost on the Ishtar and link up and pull the Ishtar out to like 70k, and you're basically single boxing a Stiletto with like 700 DPS following it around. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. But that's the way we were doing it. Gotcha. The the point you made with the like having different ships but having a cohesive comp reminds me a lot of AT. Like you have ten people, obviously there's definitely like overlap in a lot of the ships, so you're not just like ten different ships most of the time. But you have kind of that same idea where you have, you know, a much bigger variety of ships than you normally see on TQ and each one is kind of filling a role that the others don't necessarily fill. And so it's kind of interesting because like you said, you don't see that on TQ a lot. Almost all the time you see, you know, where you get a comp more than, you know, six to eight people, you start seeing a lot of like multiples of the same ship coming in. I think that's, you know, secret well, and maybe not even secretly anymore, but that's kind of brilliant because I mean think of it in maybe their perspective. All right, you see seven Lokis on grid. Think about what that makes you feel like. I'm like, oh shit. Like, you know, yeah, what, maybe you have I don't want to get near that. Yeah. You see like a, a Brutix, as you said, a Zarm, a Draugr, an Orthrus, and a Hyena on grid. You're going to think of that completely different than, you know, seven of the same ship. So that's, you know, wolf and sheep's clothing for sure. You get better fights, probably more fights, because that looks way less scary than an Orthodox all same comp setup. Yeah, and it messes with a lot of different things. Like even if they're. One thing that I would do a lot with um, a friend in Odin's when he was FCing and I was kind of backup FCing is I'd always have Pypha open. And whenever we'd come up to something, he's kind of calling the shots and I can run the numbers on something really quickly. Do quick math in your head or run it out on Pypha and figure out, you know, how many of these do we need to break to be able to do this? Or how many, you know, what what range can we tank at and, and some stuff. And uh, that's kind of cool. That totally, yeah. I mean, it's really good to have a backseat person doing that if you can afford it. but that totally falls apart if they're in kitchen sink, right? I mean, if there's a, like a Legion, a Loki, a Slepner, and a Simi, you're like, what the f***? No. Yeah, right. You're not <laughs> How do I pay for that? all five of those and then applying them to your ship. Like, yeah. it just takes forever. Which I wouldn't, I wouldn't, do to, I wouldn't uh, try to pull Pypha up in a, in a four-man gang, though. I mean, that's just being cowardly. Yeah, but I think the the point you made still stands that you you kind of eliminate some of the really hard counters because you don't have all ships that do the exact same thing, right? So they can't just be like, oh, you know, their fall off is 40 kilometers. So if we just stay outside of 40, then we're fine kind of thing. Like that doesn't work because maybe you have something that projects that far, something that needs to be up closer. 
they can't just brawl in because you still have good tracking on at least a couple ships. They can't just sit out at, you know, 60 because you still have some projection. It just, it makes them think a lot harder about what they're doing. And like you said, it just like, it doesn't feel as scary, but it also kind of eliminates some of the immediate, like obvious counters that sometimes come. Yeah. I actually have been really enjoying some of the mixed gangs that we have been doing. Um, usually we have a couple of players who really like flying small gang logi. And so if they're coming and they're bringing a logistics ship, that of course will inform what the rest of us choose to fly because I've watched a scimitar try to rep an armor curse and it just is not a good scene. Um, but beyond that, we tend to kind of pick the things we like, like you guys have been talking about. Um, and we've been doing a lot of like battle cruiser uh, and battleship with support gangs, which for a while I was kind of not seeing. It was, you know, mostly people bring all retries, people bring all, you know, small stuff, or they, you know, because we're worried about moving around and projection stuff, but it doesn't, with a good cohesive group, it doesn't feel as immobile, I guess, to have a battlecruiser or something larger on grid. If that makes sense, it feels because screening and DPS are have their their game together more and are paying more attention to you know like the the most important thing you can do as a screening ship in a gang with a battle cruiser is know where that battle cruiser is. You know, I think honestly the British Navy's view is probably the strong, well, in my opinion, is the strongest like you know under four man core to a comp you can get. I think projects well, it brings its own links, it tanks really well, and it moves surprisingly fast. And you can build a whole comp around that. You don't need much because of what it can do on its own. Yeah. A little tackle, a little screening, maybe something that you know will apply a little better to small, fast stuff if it gets yep. in close. And that's all it takes. We usually always have one anti-tackle, is what we call it. You know, some, something that's good at clearing enemy tackle yeah and i think we talked about that recently you know orthroses and ecotursas and all that um but it's it's been surprising me a little bit lately how little support we need to keep something like a battlecruiser or a battleship alive on grid you know not that they're not basically running away as fast as they can the entire time but (laughs) (laughs) but they're shooting while they're doing that so that's fine and that kind of gets into another thing, which is that there is, you know, there's a principle in small gang where you want to have your gang small, not just so that you can be on the less than 10 discord and look cool, but so that you can, not, <laughs> so like that people guy. don't run for, you know, <laughs> because people run in Eve, people run from a lot of fights. Um, and that's, you know, little plug. Another, <laughs> another thing I wrote about on the blog was, was why strategic uh, thinking makes people run from even fights. Um, because you kind of imagine you're fighting over an objective, even though you're not, right? If you're just chasing a roaming gang for fun, there's the only objective is to get the fight. Um, but, you know, 100 mutants will probably stand down from another 100 mutants uh, if they're not going to win the objective. Um, and so that means you want to do as much as possible with as few ships as possible in small gangs. That's the kind of trade-off where, you you know, dual boxing is great. You can do a lot of things, but at the same time, you also, it would be great if you could get a ship that could do multiple roles. Um, the flip side of that is if that ship dies, you've now lost multiple roles, which also really sucks. But I think that's whenever I try to bring, whenever we try to bring bigger ships into a gang, the goal is for it to be able to do a couple things, hopefully. So it's it looks like good bait uh, and it's your DPS core, you know, or something like Because you can fit a lot of DPS onto something that doesn't look like great bait too. And then you're, you know, you're only doing one job with that ship. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, I I really like flying some of the more mixed role ships. Like the Orthrus is anti-small stuff. And frankly, it's just DPS. Like a full rapid light clip out of an Orthrus is a lot of damage to anything. Um, but it also has the tackle bonuses that let it screen really well and even hold point on things that otherwise... You know, you wouldn't necessarily be able to just because you can keep at, you know, 40 or 50 or whatever, depending on how blingy you are and if your links are good and all that. 
issue with the Ortheris has always been that it gets applied to just by everything on grid. So it's really hard to be in a screening position because just Phyrexes are hitting you from out of anything you can do a better range. And in this application meta we're in now, you just always just get applied to. Yes, and they're not very tanky. Yeah. They're not tanky enough to, for, for that to not matter, <laughs> certainly. You know, it's fun to fly, but I wouldn't replace an interceptor with an Orthrus, certainly. But if you have an interceptor, having an Orthrus as a screening ship means that the interceptor, you know, doesn't have to scram every single thing that comes through because if, you know, this Ramjag is coming to grab your Brutix friend or your Nighthawk, you know, or your whatever your sort of DPS core is, you can stay on tackle maybe and not break off to go screen because you know that Orthrus scram is going to stop somebody. And it can't, you know, you can't come into the middle of the gang, but you can defensively screen very effectively. Yeah, and that's why I think the Draugr is so incredibly strong because it's uh, it's doing links, it's doing DPS, it's doing anti-tackle. It's may or may not have the Boosh module on it. If it doesn't, it has incredibly long tackle. Um, and yeah. it's just such a spooky ship. I'll confirm. It is. I think it's the best of that role, what you just described. That thing can do anything. Yeah. Anything except deal with heavy news. Well, yeah. This is why I fly Genos. It helps a little bit. Yep. Just saying. It helps a little bit. Do you fly your Draugr with a Boosh or a Web or a Scram? Uh, a Web. Long point. Um, no damage much. It's all full tank lows. Gotcha. And Geno's 400 millimeter plate. Chunky. But people know what you're doing in it too, which is also. Yes, which is, it's kind of nice. I have on many, many occasions when I've been flying a malediction, wished that other tackle ships were a little more scared of me. And when you're in a Draugr, <laughs> man, interceptors do not try to ram you. That's a cool thing too, if you're comping a gang. If you if you do have the luxury of comping it ahead of time, you can comp something you know one ship that looks really kitey, um, and comp some brawly stuff around it so that when people this is one thing we're doing with our hundred mn concept is you you bring something that looks really kitey you know if you bring a demos uh, a lot of people I like the rail demos but a lot of people imagine that it's a blaster demos so that doesn't work quite as well um, but if you bring something like a zealot maybe people or you know hard navy maybe people are going to think that's going to be more long range and then they they bring a hugan and then you just warp right on top of the hugan and kill it yeah and uh, that's that's always yeah hugan's dying makes me happy inside yes so we talked about it briefly um but i was actually thinking when i was reading not this uh installment of your blog, but the last one, Getty, is that if you, in the form of your blog, took a deep dive into what engageability means and what people mean when they say that, I think that could be really interesting because people mean about a hundred different things when they say the word engageability. Yeah. I bet you it varies highly versus on different perspectives on either side of a fight. For sure. It means a different thing in fleet combat. It means a different thing in small gang. It means a different thing if you're chasing a small gang. Um, and even within some, you know, within small gang, you know, the the largest meaning of it is if my fleet is engageable, someone will fight me instead of running away. But the nuances in like, do they mean someone of even numbers will fight me? Do they mean someone with ten people will fight my five people? Do they mean someone with five people will fight my 10 people, you know, and what people think that means, I think varies just wildly. Yeah. It could just mean dunkable. Sure. Please bring something dunkable to ours. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I mean, I've had people, I've seen people say, Oh, I won't fly a Draugr because it's not engageable. A single ship, like a whole ship class. One of that, is not engageable, and so I won't bring it in this five-man gang because that one ship will mean we get no fights. You know, yeah, and yeah. I, unless you're talking about a Varger, in which case it makes perfect sense. I think that's <laughs> blowing it out of proportion a little bit, but 
there are definitely things that people will see it and think, oh, maybe not. And there are a lot of things. That's when that's where the the fun of flying off meta ships comes from. I think is because people don't look at it and think. I know exactly what that does. I know exactly whether or not it's going to kill me. I've died to this already. Right. It's not right. I haven't died to this 10 times, so maybe I can kill it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the jogger and people saying it's not engageable kind of goes back to your point where there's kind of different levels of what people mean by like engageable. For example, you know, if there's like five guys sitting in a standing fleet that are going to undock for whatever you bring, like, a Draugr in that instance might seem unengageable, but when you talk about, like, it's not going to stop 30 serves, right? Like, if you show up in your Draugr, like, people would be happy to undock serves and shoot rapid lights into it. So I think it goes back to the idea that, like, what people mean by engageability is very different and depends on what they have or what they're planning to bring against you, too. Yeah, and from our smuggling perspective, it also is used to mean... You know, if I bring a Draugr, they're not going to undock until they have 30 Serbs. Whereas if I were in a Thorax, they would undock three guys immediately in whatever they had kind of thing. So it can mean that too. Right, exactly. Yeah. You want to just add another definition for it? Um, if we say we need to look engageable, right, just as we said earlier, the enemy has to choose to fight in this video game most of the time. So you have to make him literally think, I can beat you, I'm going to undock and beat you. And so you can't bring your best shit, you can't show up in, you know, 17 orthoses or whatever, right, to fight an even number. You have to look, quote, engageable, and make them think they can beat you, because they have to choose to undock, and they have to choose to fight. Yeah, one of the, (laughs) something that has stuck with me for my entire EVE career that someone said to me when I first started playing, I mean, gotten in a little skirmish or something and i was like oh i guess they were trying to spring a trap on us and my friend was like yeah in eve every fight both sides are springing a trap if you don't have a trap you shouldn't take the fight it's just a contest to see whose trap is better well you have to you know you guess what what their follow-up is you know and that's a little less true with small gang because if we yeet like you know, there's not uh, much follow-up coming because you're, you're there. You go. And that's it. That's what you got. Um, but in any kind of, you know, sm- even smaller mid-scale fleet fight over an objective, that's always the question: is, you know, is is my trap better than their trap? Yeah, I mean, even with um, filamenting and things like that, if you're a little more abstract, you can still kind of make the same analogy. Like, for example, sometimes we'll catch people by having, like, one person go a system over, even when they have eyes or people on grid with whatever we have now. So you might have four or five guys on grid with what they have, but the other side is kind of content knowing, like, oh, we have these four guys here. We can see where they're going. They're not going to try anything. And then one guy kind of goes off and tackles something in a different system. They don't really think of him as a threat. They think he's just scouting or whatever. Um, And then everyone can move over because they know exactly where that person is and what they're doing. And you can kind of use the time advantage that you get from doing something like that. Or, you know, like having people sit on a gate and wait to enter local or, you know, or even if you're on grid with people, you can have one person that's maybe kind of out of position, but intentionally, and they can kind of use that to leverage and like engage, get someone to engage when um, like other people are kind of ready and waiting for it to happen. That gate action halting uh, you were just speaking of reminded me just a little bit. Somebody used the analogy many years ago. You're literally playing poker. Both sides think you have the best hand, so you're trying to get as much out of the other person as you can while still winning. And so you just, you know, add this, add this, add this. I'm going to win, I'm going to win. Okay, this is as much as I think I can get from him. Let's go, go all in. And so that's, you know, an, an analogy for that. Yeah, definitely. And that, I think, is especially applicable to the kind of, like, C2 static style where you're, you can reinforce for sure. You Like Andy was saying, mm-hmm. you can you can separate a, a filament gang and and step it in that way, but it, the scope kind of has a has a ceiling, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. You know, because you've got four guys, so if you're using two of them to bait, and then, you know, once you brought the other two in, that's it. 
Whereas if you have a wormhole or if you have a Thera connection, you know, you, which is something that I always pay attention to, even when we're filamenting, it's like we landed and the first thing I do, well, the first thing I do is look at the system I'm in, but the second thing I do is check how far we are from Thera. Just because, you know, if someone wants to catch up, if we find something, you know, if we're 30 jumps from Thera with three people, I'm probably not going to try to cap tackle a ratting capital. But if we're three jumps from Thera, you know, then we can escalate for sure, yeah. And it depends on who's in your gang, too. I mean, if you're eating, uh, always be aware of what corpse people are in in your gang, you know, and maybe you, you send in the person who's in a corp nobody's heard of first because that's probably better bait. Or you send in a mix of people. If two people are from the same corp, you hold them back so it doesn't look like, like a gang or something like that because people do. Ability. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big hit. Yeah, you join code. You switch switch corpse every three months. Uh, who would do that? Who would do such ah, losers? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the the really interesting things about Eve, and why I think it's sort of extra relevant to Eve the way that we talk about it outside the game, because so much of the information about other players you can infer from things like that, like corporation membership or. Even where they are, you know, what region of space they're in. You're like, oh, I've never heard of this corp, but if they're living here, it means a set of things that you can, you can, you know, not know for sure necessarily, but with some degree of, a useful degree of certainty, I would say, you can infer from it. Yeah, and Zeke too, right? I mean, if somebody's got, um, they're like, uh, Colin in Horde, and they only fly one ship. That's a really good ship, right? That 5k a second Orthrus. But if that's the only thing you ever fly, it's really easy to look you up on Zekill and know exactly what you're going to do. And, uh, you know, well, that was one thing that I, I always used to do in Faction Warfare Space and Frigates, was try to, ev try to get multiple fits that do completely different things for the same ship and never fly the same one, you know, two times in a row. The challenge is you don't have a chance to, like, learn the ship inside. But the benefit is somebody Z kill checks you really quick and it's like, oh, he flies rail comets and then they come in in your blaster. Or, you know, and you can do that in Nullsec as well in some ships. Um, and another thing I think is the, the mind, like, no, yeah, I know, delete Z. I mean, you got to use it, but I wish, yeah, I wish kill words weren't a thing. Yeah. Um, you got to know, like, the mindset that the people you're fighting are going to have. And, and one thing that I often, like to think about is that basically the the sort of block players strategic players uh their form of pvp is basically making fan fiction together which is which is really cool um, <laughs> that's that's not a pejorative term but like you know i i am happy to be the rare small ganger that says i like tie-dye fights or i used to like tie-dye fights i used to like the big five thousand person tie-dye battles because there's no other place in video gaming where I can be with my corp for 20 hours straight and have to take care of my body and take care of my mind and, and be available multi-boxing through this incredibly long fight that might get written up in a history book one day, you know, and that's, that's really cool. And, but that mindset doesn't just happen at the 5,000 person fight. That mindset often happens all the way down through standing fleet where what people are interested in, um, is, is the sort of narrative of protecting their space of their group being, uh, you know, impenetrable and things like that. And uh, that's really cool, but you have to be aware of the fact that you're playing for the fight and they're playing for the narrative. And sometimes, you know, the narrative, they, they are looking for dunks or they are perfectly happy for you to just leave. Um, yeah, and I think it leads to a, a degree of sort of group decision-making where when they decide to leave, when they're like, this is boring, we're not going to do this. You can almost hear the comms, like someone being like, oh, this is so boring. They're just going to keep running. We should just leave. Don't give them the content. And they start warping off. And if you dive into them at that moment, they'll keep warping off. They won't change that decision. Yeah. We did that the other day with your, your uh, yep. imp succubus. We did. <laughs> you very bravely dove straight onto a caracal because everybody else had already worked. Yeah, I just, you know, there were a couple of caracals and a jackdaw and all that. And but for me, it was the Drakovac. When the Drakovac warped off, I was like, we can fight yep. the rest of this, you know? 
or I can go in on the rest of this and not immediately die is what I was really thinking. But they kept warping off, except for I think that one Osprey Navy was the only thing that changed its mind and tried to fight. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting to see the the many perspectives people take on Eve um, and exploit them in order to murder them in space. That sounds bad. I know. But, you know, I, I decided a long time ago when I was explaining something I was doing in Eve to my wife, and she was like, so you commit space muggings? I was like, <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, I mean, not exactly, but also not not that. It's pretty funny. Uh, and, you know, it's it's true. It's a lot of what we do. It's like we're going into someone's space, and we're trying to kill them, and we can kill more of them. You know, and it's if you take that far enough, it gets kind of sadistic. Um, but it's a game, so it's okay. It's not even so civilized as a mugging. You're just, you're just killing them for fun. I mean, I loot them sometimes. I take their nanite paste. <laughs> Half the time I leave it, I forget to forget to go loot. Yep. All right. Well, I've got to get up real early, so yeah. we should probably wrap this up. Let's just go down the list here and do shout-outs. Andy, got any shout-outs for today? Um, I mean, shout-out to all the people who are doing AT Team stuff with me. Uh, I appreciate them being there and being as crazy as me to show up all the time and put themselves through that. So that's my shout-out. Nice. Casper? Uh, we did a sponsored by this podcast, actually, a video competition uh, a couple weeks ago. And just shout out to everybody. We had, again, like 30 applicants that came in, and we only could pick five winners. But it shout out to all the people that made the videos. There was some really sick stuff out there. So that was very cool to watch. Awesome. Is there a place people can go find like links to all the entries? Uh, yes, and if not, I'll make it up. I don't know if we have all the entries posted yet, but I know it's on my list to do. Uh, the winners are definitely posted on the forums and on Reddit, but I will at least make a post somewhere of all the videos if we don't already have them up. Awesome, and that was called the Ferocious Few video competition for people well who are... I can't say that without stuttering that through out. it, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Getty, do you have a shout-out? I know I'm kind of springing this on you. Uh, not really. Anybody who uh, undocks and goes and remembers that Eve is a game and has fun. Approval. Good shout out. Awesome. On a on a similar note, I'm gonna shout out my my newest corp mate, um, who we call Dexter uh, Dathedex. He likes to describe himself as Eve famous adjacent. He likes he goes and roams with Bjorn on his streams and three uh, T on his streams and things like that. And he's like in our alliance, which is now like the most podcast heavy alliance in Eve. <laughs> but he is uh, always happy to play Eve. Like he's not always playing Eve, but when he's playing Eve, he's pleased to be playing Eve and having fun, and that's a just a really nice attitude to be around. None that's of the cool. the complaining and and grousing that so many of us uh, get stuck in from time to time. <laughs> Truth. All right. Well, that's episode fifty-one, and I think we're gonna wrap it up at that. Just remember, it's not the size of your gang; it's how you use. There you go.